Welcome to the Questionably Qualified Podcast. We'll be talking Game of Thrones, and we're talking about the first episode of the eighth and final season. So I've got Mike Yax here with me to talk about what happened. Yaxi, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Been, uh, been thinking about the, the episode for a while this week, been talking about it, uh, ready to sort of dive into it, even listen to a couple other pods about it. So I've been marinating on this one as well. Yeah. It's been a little while since we had one of these when it I've has. been involved, so. Yes, it has. I mean, it's been a long time since since just the last season, since they had the full year there gap in yeah. between. That's very true. And so I think that's actually, that's actually a good place to start out because I went back. Apparently, I had forgotten to actually type up the, the recap for the season finale last season. So I went back and watched the whole 90 minutes of it and uh, wrote up the recap for that. And there are some some major similarities between the two episodes, uh, notably that they focus a lot on reunions and don't really get a whole lot done. So what was your what was your general feeling about about the premiere? Yeah, I hadn't thought about like the similarities with the last episode until you brought that up. But that's definitely true. The premiere, as everyone knows, has gotten a lot of hate. Yes. And. I don't, yeah, I mean, I definitely understand it because not a lot has happened and there's only five episodes left. But outside of, you know, outside of this vacuum where we expect every storyline to be wrapped up in the next five episodes, I I didn't hate it. Only because it kind of just set the table. Yeah, I think it did lack a lot. I think there was some storylines that kind of came out of left field where you're like, why do we need to spend you know, this precious five minutes. And I think the way we watch these episodes are so different because so much needs to happen and so much of it needs to be perfect. So when you see like, I don't know, a dragon make a weird face about John and Danny having <laughs> sex in front of it, that you're kind of like, you don't need to do this right now. Like we got a lot of stuff we need to do. We don't need to see this. Yes. Yes. I think, I think that's exactly right. So while I was watching the episode, I I didn't think this is terrible. Like I can't believe that this is so bad. I I was enjoying it, and I was enjoying seeing you know sort of everyone get together in Winterfell. Yeah, for and sure. Seeing the notes of the show, I think it compounded because at the end of the episode, I thought, okay, well, we didn't actually make any progress on any mm-hmm. of the main storylines there. And I mean, then, to be fair, there's a little bit of progress on. A, like one or two story two storylines i would say but like minimum progress yes yes i think yeah exactly and then i think i think it got worse when i realized that that episode was only an hour long they're now saying that the next episode is only an hour long and so now we've gone from before the season started thinking it was going to be like oh you got like six two-hour episodes like that's a good chunk of time to try to tie everything up so now it's like, okay, well, that that was one of the hours that we have left, and we've only got maybe 10. So that's 10% of the final season that we just spent mm-hmm. there. So yeah, so we got we got a bunch of reunions, which I, you know, some of them were really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Arya and Jon together again is obviously great. Yeah. And they, they very purposely did a lot of, like, direct parallels, right? You got the kid climbing the tree to see the, the army marching in. Just, like, and when Arya, yep, and then you have Arya letting somebody go through to kind of see something. Yep. Like when 
I think the Lannisters and Baratheons came in. Yeah, exactly. She was that same kid, and yeah. Yep. And so, so I do get that, and and I think it's like there's incremental progress, like you said. So I think let's let's talk about the two bits of progress that I think were made this episode. One is John rode a dragon, which is pretty big news. Mm-hmm. Having a second dragon rider is obviously like very important. We saw what happened to Viserion when he was just sort of riding, you know, along with Drogon and, and Danny and Rhaegal. Mm-hmm. And so having another rider is, is big news. I think mm-hmm. part of the reason that's, that's a problem is they treated it so <laughs> clumsily. I would say I would say it was quite blasé. Hey man, why don't you just try jumping up on my dragon? Yeah, she's it was it had nothing to do with like Yeah, I mean being kind of nerds about this, we would all, everyone would say, oh, you know, in history, only Targaryens can ride dragons. Only the people from, you know, before the Doom of Valyria can ride dragons. Right, right. And John just rides one, and they don't make anything out of it. They don't, like, nobody says anything. It's not even a plot point. And even, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of strange. even on the approach, she's not, like, walking over by Rhaegal and being like, okay, man, like, I'm going to need you to let this dude up on your back. She's just like, jump on, man. It'll be good. Yeah. So so we did we did get, did get them riding the dragons, though, which was great. Then we got the, the awkward cut watching as you as you hook up scene. That, you don't need that. Like, <laughs> I don't know you why know. we needed that. And, again, I, I'm... I, no, no, never mind. I'm not even going to lie and say that I'm going to try not to harp on this all season long. You're taking the dragons out for a joyride. Maybe check north. Maybe check south to see if there is, in fact, a Lannister army following you up the King's Road. Like, fly them any direction that could be useful. Yeah, use scouting devices as they're, like... (laughs) They have such clear advantages that way, and then you just don't. It's It's a complete oversight. It's probably something I hope that... When we talk about the fall of the intelligence of Tyrion Lannister, that he doesn't even suggest it in any way. Yes. It's kind of... It's a, it's a glaring oversight, clearly. They had it go really badly for him last season when they chose not to do that and instead send a group for a hike north of the Wall to <laughs> capture a white. Also, they sent an entire army to fucking, you know, Lannisport or whatever it's called. Right. And, and, yeah, Casterly Rock. Yeah, Casterly Rock. And they don't even send anyone to see. Like, any. They have no scouts. No. And it's like the actual paths from from Casterly Rock to the Reach. And then, like, if you look at, you know, I, I mean, if you want to really dig into it, and we don't have to do this, obviously, but it's <laughs> like King's Landing, it's like it's not that far away to be able to intercept an entire army marching into the Reach. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So yeah, so they chose to just ride their dragons, I guess, northwest somewhere to a to a nice waterfall. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. That's fine. You know, and I I, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna derail this, <laughs> but like you'd think you'd ride the dragons a little bit northeast. Yeah. You know, into the water. Check out Skagos. You know, show Daenerys a fucking unicorn. If you wanted to be a smooth operator, you might do something like that. <laughs> that would be a real romantic move, you know? 
then we could also see that there were unicorns. And then yep. he'd be look to the west, he'd be like, oh shit! <laughs> the wall's down! Oh fuck! <laughs> I mean, it's literally directly east of the wall. He could look at the East Watch and be East Watch by the sea and be like, oh shit! It's literally in ruins. I, you know, I heard about these Skagosi unicorns. I'm gonna be a, like, he is in no way good at anything, apparently. Cause like, well, is that not what you would do? I, uh, I would. I, I mean, yeah, that's, you, you've guessed that that's where they're gonna go. Uh, and especially it, given that you didn't previously know that they had a dragon of their own, be like, oh, well, let's, let's keep an eye on the wall and we can roast, you know, a giant swath of them the moment they arrive. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, anyway, let's get off of this. But. The the other the other major development I think is John finally being informed of his heritage. Yeah, of course. Which, for one reason or another, you know, Brand's playing whatever game he has going on in his mind, where he's got to wait. Yeah, he's not really moment. Brand anymore. I think. I think he really doesn't understand yeah. what's at stake. Which, like, but also he does. And should. It's going to be tough to actually square his actions versus what he should be doing. Right. And you can kind of just be like, oh, he's not really a person anymore. But like. It's, it's useful information that you might want to, you know, yeah. break to him at some point. So Sam breaks the news to John. John. Okay. My opinion was that nowhere in that scene did I see him compute that that meant Danny was his aunt. And try to figure out the ramifications of that. Yeah. I thought that he was just like, holy crap, you're telling me that I'm king of the Seven Kingdoms. There was so much that, like, I feel like I don't want to burn Kit Harrington to the ground because, like, there's not... I mean, they threw a whole lot of things that they were trying to do in that scene. Yes. And uh, the way they write John... Is um, he's like a brooding guy who doesn't show a lot of his emotions mostly, so I'm not really sure what he's supposed to do. But three things happened. They, you know, gave that parallel of Sam's older brother and dad being murdered, like his father, who he thought his father being murdered by the Mad King, was murdered by Dickon. Yeah, were burned alive, kind of the same way that his, you know, how. Ned's father. And, Big time. Uh, yeah, so there's and, yeah. that similarity. That I think he was trying to play up, or they were just playing that up to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, also, this is your aunt. Also, you're not a bastard. You are. And then, you're, you're, and, yeah, it, there's so many things to take away. Because the only thing he took away was, like, my dad lied. He never right. lied. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? That's, like, literally the last thing you should take away from this. Right. Yeah, that's the least important detail here. Yeah. So, so I think, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say this for later. We'll have, a, we'll have a question related to that. But so those are the two sort of major developments that we had in the episode. As far as some of the reunions go, that were very good. Um, obviously, it's great to see John and Arya. Arya and the Hound, I thought was very nice. I thought they doubled up on Arya and the Hound and Arya and Gendry, which I didn't like. Like, you could have used some of that screen time with the weird dragon sex joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arya and the Hound could have had a real reunion, maybe. I think another thing that did happen was that we... you Because know, I think at the end of the finale, we didn't really know if Tormund and uh, Beric oh, were true. alive at Eastwatch by the Sea. But we saw them, and they made... Uh, I don't know exactly what 
place they made it to to see the young Lord Umber had been murdered. If it, if he had if young Lord Umber had made it all the way back home, it would have been last hurt. Is the the house of the Umbers? Okay. Which would fit based on the map mm-hmm. from a general if they're aiming towards Winterfell slash you know some of the cities of the north, then that would be the direction they'd take. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the sort of major ramifications of the episode. Yeah, sorry, I, de- I derailed you a little bit, but that was like the th- <laughs> I thought like that was the third thing. Yes. Like, and we don't have to get into that. We can just say like I thought the other thing we should take from it is that Tormund and Beric are still alive, which is very impressive. Which we couldn't, you didn't really know, but you kind of knew. Yeah, because I'm gonna I'm gonna support Tormund and Brienne until the very. And then we can get the into the rest of it so, later if you want to. Yeah. So. Danny arrives with the the army of the Unsullied, you know, trailing off into the distance behind her. Obviously, massive, massive force. That's not really including the Dothraki, who are also out there uh, in that shot. And and we get to see them later. So I think this is one of those elements where I get annoyed and sort of unjustifiably so. And the only reason I get annoyed is because the time compression we're under. But we spent the intro of this episode with John explaining that the Northerners don't trust outsiders, and that's why Danny gets such a chilly reception. And yet we all know that the army of the undead is marching, and John just showed up with two fucking dragons, a massive army of Unsullied, and a massive Dothraki cavalry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt that they needed that <laughs> for the upcoming battle. And yet, people are like, Oh man, I don't know. She's not from around here. Yeah, I think they they try to like unpack that a little bit by saying that like John gave up his crown. And I think they try to explain that part away a little bit by saying that, but yeah, obviously when you're facing annihilation, like a hundred percent annihilation if this mar- army marches on you without this support, people aren't going to act like that. Yeah, so. and I and like I I love the new Sansa, mm-hmm. and I'm all for her. Like I my my upset candidate for the Iron Throne at the end of all this is her. Mm. She's rightfully concerned about their stores of food. Yeah, except for the fact that you have a massive battle about to happen, and you're either going to be wiped off the map entirely, mm-hmm. or at least lose a bunch of those people. And then you either won't have to feed them because they're dead, or you won't have to feed them because they go back south. Yeah, it's it's not a primary, secondary, tertiary <laughs> concern. <laughs> like, you're just trying to live. Yeah. So, obviously, it feels out of place when you consider the actual ramifications. And that's, you know, assuming that they march on Winterfell. And, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And we're gonna, we'll get into the possibilities a little later yeah for sure um so yeah so i think you know again that that sort of scene makes perfect sense to me except for the fact that we only have six episodes left and it's like okay well unless all these people are going to bail on winterfell which they're obviously not because during the winter everyone goes to winterfell anyway then what are we doing here bsing about this you know i love little little lady mormont but like come on i mean she obviously a tight character everyone likes how hilarious she is, Lady Mormont face, etc. Yeah. But it's like when you hear Sansa say that, right? The food. Yeah. The whole food thing. And then like 
we go back to last season when it's never mentioned they're living on goddamn Dragonstone. Right. It's a tiny fucking rock island. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't think you can catch a million fish every day. <laughs> right. Yeah, what are they eating everyone. Like, what are they eating? Like, you lost the reach in, like, the second episode. And right. you never struggled to feed anybody. But you have, like, no food stores. Like, yeah. yeah. So it gets a little bit, it expends some of your thought energy when you're like, I don't want to be thinking about this because it's fucking pedantic. And it seems arbitrary when you're going to bring this kind of nonsense up. Right, right. So. And, and like, Sansa is absolutely right to be questioning oh, John for sure. in terms of his decision making. Mm-hmm. But that's a dumb way to express it. Yeah. Especially when, I guess, like, other places can magically get food. Right. I just assumed Winterfell <laughs> could also magically get food. Yeah, yeah, we've never seen this. We've never seen this problem ever actually manifest. So one time we have, we have. That's not true because of uh, King's Landing. Everyone starved, and they tried to murder Joffrey. Yes, they got very prissy, and they got, they got very prissy. That's actually a very good example because they got very prissy, and then a few seasons later, Cersei nuked their religious building, and nobody seemed to care. And our understanding of what that has done is fucking nothing, and they still support. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll never, we'll never really know. Like, shouldn't there, shouldn't there be zero people living in King's Landing at this point? Because they would all be terrified of her because she's a yeah, fucking psycho. Like, oh, I'm gonna move back home. Peace out. I mean, it's just the the way they use. Like everyone is like, I, I've listened to so many people like describe this series, and they're like, every single fantasy epic never talks about what it's like like what's the economic policy yeah. of this fantasy kingdom but george rr R. martin does it with like he does it and he makes it awesome i'm like no he just arbitrarily assigns that to be an obstacle <laughs> but like when he doesn't want it to be an obstacle it isn't yeah i don't want to just burn shit down but right no it i mean that's right and again, maybe it, maybe it's it's an effect of the show wanting to finish which you know i think 100 percent that could be it i'll give him props for that since, since it's not happening with the books so <laughs> so then we have we have the conversation between john and sansa which this one this one stood out to me because i actually i really enjoy their their conversations together but this one stood out to me because it's the first time that i've noticed that like they do a lot of dramatic cutting in this show where people are having a conversation and like it, you know, just like any TV show, it never reaches like a natural conclusion. It just sort of like cuts to another scene. Mm-hmm. And that scene ends with Sansa saying, did you bend the knee because we needed her help or because you love her? Mm-hmm. And then they cut to the next scene. And I'm like, I kind of wonder what, like, did John just say nothing and slink yeah, away? Awkwardly? Like. Mm. <laughs> it seemed like I and I don't remember the scene exactly, but it seemed like he just walked away. I think so. <laughs> He's like, hmm. <laughs> I think he was kind of just like, "Fuck you." Yeah. So yeah. So so we have that one. We have the reunion between Tyrion and Sansa, which I think was my. I very much liked that. Yeah, I think it was second... my second favorite, just because John and Arya. <laughs> well, it was my second favorite, and John and Arya are my third favorite. Oh, okay. What's your favorite then? My 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 first favorite is you know it's it's barely a reunion. Okay. Well, let's do this one. Yeah, I really loved the Sansa and Tyrion reunion. 
Yes. Um, obviously, there's the one line where she burns him. I used to think you were the most clever man in Westeros. Yes. And I really, obviously, enjoyed that. Like, because you see how Sansa has grown as a character. And I guess yep. you've seen how Tyrion has, like, become not smart anymore, I guess. <laughs> he's on a long series, a long series of L's. So. Yeah, I would say he's on the Schneid. Yes. <laughs> Since he's got the Westeros, he's on the Schneid. That's hundred percent true. It's been a whole year. For sure. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't <laughs> So he, he suggested in Marine that they cut a deal with the the masters. And we're going even before Westeros. Yep, yep. He yeah. then came to Westeros and suggested the Castle Rock attack and Jamie outfoxed I'll him there. Him. I thought before that he had them sail somewhere and you're on nuked half their ships i still don't know who to blame for the fact that their ship their fleet got sunk because i don't i don't understand you're on Greyjoy's boat magic obviously but danny i think at one point because i watched i watched two episodes in anticipation for um the premiere i forget which one the two i watched but danny at some point blames him for losing half her fleet so i'm just gonna go with danny yeah, because they were, I think they were sailing some of them. They were either in the harbor and got sneak attacked by Euron, or they were sailing some of them back to the Iron Islands and back to uh, High Garden and back to Dorne. I think they were sailing to Dorne. Yeah. And they got nuked. And that's when uh, Yara got kidnapped. Right. So, yeah, so we have that bad decision. Uh, we have the Cashley Rock bad decision. We have, you know, I don't want to give him full responsibility for the kidnap, uh, an undead thing decision because everyone deserves scorn for supporting that idea who's the one we should really burn down for that uh who's the most responsible for that one yeah Ooh. damn i think it's Tyrion. It, it's probably Tyrion. my gut is always danny because like, yeah if you have a dragon just fly up there real quick especially given that the show has proven that you can just fly up there real quick, real quick. yeah but I, I give Tyrion a lot of the blame there because he used to be the one who would be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? That's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And instead he's like, yeah, sounds good. Let's let's do that. That's that's a good plan. Then in the negotiation, he decides to go and approach Cersei mm. one-on-one yep. One yep. for reasons unknown and gets duped there somehow. But, you know, again, I don't know if that's just him. Given oh, when Sansa dunks on him with about that one, I'm like, dude, are you serious? Yes, I mean that was incredible when she says, "And you believed her." Yeah, that's that's a clear. That's like I didn't watch any of the game last night between the Bucks and the Pistons, but I imagine <laughs> that was like Giannis dunking on Thon Maker. I think probably. I think probably yes. Yeah, so he's been on a big losing streak. I think my only excuse for him is you know he starts out the show talking to Jon Snow and he says, you know, my mind is my weapon. And a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. And yeah. I think he's been out of books for a while. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so that's my best explanation for it, other than... So we should sub Sam in, I guess. Yep, Sam's got to step up uh, as as the only the only smart person still being smart around. Is that true, though? Because, like, Gilly was the one who actually discovered. And Sam has, you know, very, very you know, modern day, just erased her from the record of that discovery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I read this. No, you didn't, my dude. You you ignored her. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's George R. R. Martin revealing that he's really a dick in real life. <laughs> Could be. Because right, isn't Sam the stand-in for him? That's that's the general idea. Yeah, is that that yeah. he's the the one writing it, sort of in a in that way. So so yeah, that reunion. I think the the used to you used to be the cleverest man alive, or the, yeah. the cleverest. I used to think you're the cleverest man in the world. Is great. Yeah. The, I love that. Uh, the the last time I saw you was at it was at the royal wedding. A miserable <laughs> affair, and when she yeah, had its moment. With being like, "Why'd you leave me?" Yeah, so good. What the fuck do you think, dude? Yeah, he would have done the same thing, and he's trying to like hold that over. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, so that one was great, and then I would say like Ari and John, I said was my favorite. Uh, just like seeing those two again is pretty. Tug at the heartstrings for sure. Aria with her line of of once or twice with regard. Yeah, to with title. uh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what was your what was your favorite reunion then? If it's not ah, dude, the last. Last second in the show. Oh, Jamie Brand? Of course. Yeah. Waiting for Jamie, an old friend. Jamie exploiting the uh, obvious gaps in Winterfell security, just like Arya did last season. <laughs> but, like, but, like, not even close. He did have a hood on. Right? Come <laughs> on. I mean, let's go. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, I thought my favorite whole thing in the entire episode was when, you know, Bran delivers the basically unmemorable line, I'm waiting for an old friend, and he weighs an entire night <laughs> to see Jamie yeah. come in. And part of me is kind of, I'm worried that, like, the fact that he's the three-eyed raven is going to actually explain it to be like, he saved so many people when he murdered the Mad King. He is my old friend. Oh, yeah. And I'll be so mad. That would be kind of a bummer. I really want him to actually deliver a hilarious, ironic line. But, yeah. like, part of me feels like that they're going to take that away from me, and it's going to be a bummer. But, like, obviously, it's the first time since the pilot, and we're in the last season. They've yep. never been on screen together since. And I think that that's amazing. It is pretty great. It is pretty great. And I, I, I'm with you. I'm interested to see how that, that sort of interaction goes. I mean, obviously, Bran isn't going to care about those events with, with current day Bran. Uh, not going to be a problem. Given what they showed, I don't know if you watched, did you see the preview? You say you don't watch previews. Yeah, I don't usually watch the previews. So I haven't seen that bit. Do you want me to say anything about it? Sure. It shows a makeshift trial for Jamie. Oh, no. Yeah, so we're going to waste way too much time on that i don't i don't know if it's an actual trial i don't think it's an organized trial but it does show people arguing about whether or not he should just be murdered (laughs) at winter right and as i was just like just fuck off with this shit (laughs) like and i think that's gonna be a theme for this whole season and i think it it's just underlying the themes of the entire series where everyone is undermining their own self-interest in terms of the White Walkers yeah. and in terms of... We got bigger things happening yeah. here. Yeah, the metaphor people love to talk about the White Walkers is that it's climate change and we can't get our shit together and actually deal with it. Right, and respond Because anyway. we're too fucking self-interested and we just... Yeah. Okay, so, so we covered a lot of the stuff in Winterfell. One more thing I want to cover there... Uh, actually, two more. So we'll start with another episode has now gone by without seeing Ghost. Yeah, I, fuck them. <laughs> I mean, seriously. They just write Ghost out of the show. <laughs> I mean, when you see the interviews with, what's her name? Danny's, the actual actor. Amelia Clark. Yeah, Amelia Clark. 
I'm just talking about like, oh, I feel a kinship with like this goddamn monster I ride that's <laughs> nothing and it turns into a CG dragon. They're like, it's, you know, it's really hard to get a live wolf to CGI. I'm like, dude, like, have you read any of the books? Like, the wolves are a yeah. pretty big deal. Kind of a big deal. It's kind of like, it, it feels like, I mean, and, you know, I don't want to reveal too much about my opinion of this show in the last three seasons, <laughs> but it has dwindled into, like, me being like, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so bummed out about that. John should probably, like, have him by his side at all times. Uh, if, clearly. If everything was normal. And then the other piece, I think, it's important to put the Glovers back on blast. The, mm. the Glovers who John and Sansa had no luck recruiting for the Battle of the Bastards because they have to tend to their own affairs. The Glovers who then showed up to Winterfell afterwards got shamed mercilessly and declared for Jon and House Stark as they have for a thousand years and a thousand years to come. I remember that. A week or so later, like, nah, man, gonna stay here. <laughs> yeah, that's a real bummer of a <laughs> sequence. And I think that was the only way that they can, like, Sansa was just like, they are supporting the king in the north. Yeah, which was a good diss. I did like that. I mean, I did and I didn't, like, because I think it's pretty easily explained. I think we covered this, like... Yes. <laughs> yeah, the north can't defend against the White Walker army. Right, so, this is the argument that John's been making to literally everyone yeah. this whole time. <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, just throw some more shame on them, I guess. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to Winterfell at the very end of this, but let's go ahead and go south to the action in King's Landing, which mostly takes place in Cersei's bedroom. Aw, shit. <laughs> so, Euron pulls the rare feat of bragging about his sexual prowess enough for Cersei to give it a shot. I don't think that's an approach that, that's commonly effective, but somehow she decides to change her mind. <laughs> See, <laughs> the thing with I'm just gonna get out in front of this, like... Yeah. To me, it's like, why would he be helping her? I, I have no There's idea. There's a zero... Like, he seems to be, like, a devious-ass motherfucker who just, like, undermines people who do things that, like, seem honorable. Like, he was able to, like, undermine Yara's claim to the Iron Islands. Yep. And he, now he pledges himself... And he seems to be the biggest asset in her collection For sure. of assets, and he just goes along with it. Yeah, so so this will, we'll, we'll get into And I my... think that's why they made it, they were like, okay, we can't actually just, like, make it so she just rebuffs him constantly and gets nothing because, like, it wouldn't make sense in the story. Right. So they were just like, okay, so she'll just say, now you can... We're gonna get married for real. I don't know. It's and it's also a, a convenient way to explain another incest baby, which like they love explaining incest babies. Yeah, I think the key for her, she can be like, "Oh, this is Euron's child." Mm -hmm. But uh, so so Euron arrives uh, with his fleet again, just you know, popping around mm -hmm. uh, with the Golden Company. Oh, can we? Are we gonna do a whole deep dive into the Golden Company so I can just like vent? heavily sure all right we'll do yeah. that later 
arrest the Golden Company, the Golden Company basically said, hey, like, we'll, we'll fight for you, which we'll, we'll get into some of my predictions also uh, in a bit here, uh, where I, I, I don't think this is going to end well for Cersei, this alliance of Euron and the Golden Company. And I would say one of the best, I mean, there's, there's some serious shade thrown in this episode, Sansa eyeballing Danny, Danny saying that, you know, dragons eat whatever they'd like. But Cersei's response to finding out that she did not get elephants was cold. Yeah. That is a queen who was really expecting some goddamn elephants. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess George R.R. R. Martin didn't want to, like, recreate Hannibal's folly of marching elephants, like, <laughs> through Rome, like, through Italy, through the Alps or something. Over the mountains, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't go to Cartagena when I was in Spain, but I hear it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like, I would have really liked to see that, but I guess they don't have the CGI budget for it. <laughs> yeah, it's all on dragons, man. So they, that's sort of the, the miscellany that was going on in King's Landing. The two sort of developments there, neither of which I would say is truly important. For well, I one, think one is. Cersei offers Bronn a crossbow. I think kill. that's important. Did she suggest both of the brothers? Like, Yeah, I think, bo- both yeah, both Jamie and Tyrion, which... Okay. Yeah. Cause That's what I thought as well. Yeah. And I think, so I think this is going to come to Tyrion's old offer to Bronn, right? Yeah, I think everyone thinks it's going to end like that. He'll overpay whatever someone offers, right? He'll just show up and it'll be a real, like, it'll be a moment of levity in the next episode or the episode after when Bronn shows up and he's like with two wagons of gold and he's like, I hope you're prepared to double this. Right, yeah, or he's like already sitting in, in Tyrion's tent with the bow, you know, it's like pointed at him, and he's like, hey, here's the offer, you know. <laughs> Tyrion's like, all right. He, he probably like pointed at him, he's like, I just assumed you would just double the offer. Right, so yeah, so we have that one, uh, and then the other development, which I think it's going to be important, because otherwise they would have ended this farce of a storyline so long ago, but Theon manages to row a boat up to Euron's flagship, kill five or six people, and take their prize hostage uh, without much trouble. <laughs> I think what happened was, after Ramsay died, Theon just absorbed his archery skills, <laughs> and he's just like a badass with art. Like he, and then he spread it onto all his little men. <laughs> and then apparently learned how to throw an axe like a goddamn boss. Yeah, yeah, that would that that actually might be the explanation is a transference of uh, of Ramsey's surprising ninja skills. Because I really don't understand. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Why would we think that he could throw an axe like that? <laughs> no idea. He's never demonstrated that he's capable of doing that. He got yeah. in a fight at the end of last season, and yeah. one because he got need in the balls that he didn't have, and surprised the dude. <laughs> Also, that was complete nonsense. I watched it was that. Terrible. I watched that, and like he was mashed to a pulp. Yep, and, and then... somehow still won because this guy tired himself <laughs> out by kneeing him in the balls like five times. Like, <laughs> I, I've been a dancer. I was a dancer for a very long time. Did a lot of grand bop mas, which was like a lot more. It's just a basically a big kick. Yeah. But like it didn't take that much energy. <laughs> you're not I'm you're sorry. not all out of your <laughs> No, it's not gonna tire me out that much. 
not getting one punch KO'd after you've already beaten the hell out of someone. Yeah, like he. Yeah, that's the thing. Theon landed exactly zero blows on this guy to that point. Yeah, yeah. we don't have to get caught up in this. But that was complete nonsense, obviously. Yep. So yeah. So anyway, Yara is now rescued and happy. Yep, which is great. So this this kind of touches on one of my big predictions for the way that the, the Battle of Winterfell is going to go. They very conveniently noted that Danny might need a place to go if the battle doesn't go well, and mm-hmm. that Yara would be manning the Iron Islands in that case. Theon decides to go to Winterfell to help out, you know, sort of redeeming himself, where I think he's probably going to die there in a heroic, you know, sort of last-ditch effort. Yeah, he's got to save a Stark. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Again. Hopefully it's not like uh, like someone's coming after Bran and then he, you know, pulls a summer and dies without really making any progress and they're like okay well i'm gonna kill brand now too i think that might happen but <laughs> I, I can get into my predictions about who's gonna save brand stark yeah at a different time so those are the developments there and then the last place we touched was last earth we think where tormund and Beric come along the night's watch and they together sort of walk to the body of young ned umba who yep. has been into the wall and turns into a white they set him on fire you know at first i i was just kind of like oh spooky way to end this thing now they know that nike's mm-hmm. army is marching which everyone should know already anyway but then i noticed the eight the eight arms mm. s- sticking out of that spiral what animal has eight arms you know you get into some some octopus you know octopus imagery there some some underwater Underwater creatures, perhaps. Ah. Maybe we're getting some squisher symbols here. Holy shit! <laughs> Think you might be right. The squishers are coming, and uh, <laughs> and if they do, I mean they're they're just gonna devour everybody in Winterfell. Yes, yes. I want I want a kraken to reach out and take down Viserion and the Night King all at once. I think the best thing we can hope for is that they, our little army of heroes loses at Winterfell. And the Night King decides to go over to the Pike mm-hmm. and take everything, and then a Squisher army led by a giant <laughs> Kraken destroys them all. I think exactly. that's all we can hope for. Exactly. And it would explain the continued relevance of House Greyjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that sort of covers all the, all the stuff that actually happened in this episode. Do you want to get into my predictions for the rest of the season, or would you rather touch on on some other bits? What are our other bits? Good question. I know we were talking reunions for a bit, but we covered that your favorite one is the Jamie Brand reunion, which was pretty great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I guess there isn't that much else, given that this episode was largely reunions and set up for what's to come. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. So based based on who's directing episodes and the length of those episodes we are not going to get the battle of winterfell or in in for some reason they go somewhere else the knights king army goes somewhere else first until episode three yeah i agree so that means we have one more episode of uh i guess settling things uh you know i I, actually that's that's a good point for for us to talk about next the reveal of john's parentage Mm -hmm. to me what makes sense is that john is going to talk to Sansa first about what they should do with this information. Based on what we know, he should not be thrilled about hooking up with his aunt. 
Mm-hmm. But I agree. Danny, in theory, wouldn't really mind. I don't think we know that for sure. But, I mean, we don't know that she wouldn't mind that. I think we know that John, as we know of his upbringing, would mind that. Right. So is it something that he... Do you think it's something that he breaches to her right away? Or do you think I he think sort of he tries will. to avoid her? I think, I, think, I think it'll be like a hijinks situation where he goes to tell her... But the mm-hmm. moment he does, so, like somebody comes in and says, "Oh my God, Jamie Lannister's here!" and he tried to kill her brother. Oh, and it'll be yeah. a thing. Well, John will be like, "I'm gonna just tuck this away for a moment." Yeah, and Sam's gonna look at him with a real stern look, like, "You gotta <laughs> tell her, John," <laughs> and he won't. But then they'll do this whole fake Jamie Lannister trial where it's like complete nonsense. So it'll be mm-hmm. what. It'll be a bunch of Starks being like, we should kill him. He's an asshole. And then, like, Brienne will be like, Jamie is honorable, blah, blah, blah. And Sansa will be like, oh, fuck you. I thought you were going to serve my house. And then she'll be like, I do serve your house, but he has honor. He gave me this sword because he's nice. And then it'll be a whole fucking, like, nonsense fest. And then, like, it'll be, ever- the episode will almost be over. And then Bran will, like, say something like, you know, completely unrelated, because uh-huh. he's like doing a brand thing. It'd be like, "Oh, what do you think about being <laughs> John's aunt?" That's weird, right? And she'll be like, "Oh, what?" what? John'll be like, "Whoops!" And then I'll be like, "Pop, pop, 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 pop." And then the Night King arrives to, to interrupt the <laughs> yeah, <whole thing. laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll be a hijinks where they like are about to discuss it, but. It'll be three blasts. Ah, shit. Yeah. Wow. Like White Walkers are here. Yeah. Oh god. I wish. You I really wish right, we could turn correct. this into like a complete, <laughs> like nonsense, like Happy Days episode. It would be pretty, it'd be pretty amazing. I feel like it. It would work better because it'll be yes. complete hijinks. Well, <laughs> it might not happen that way, but it feels like it's gonna happen that way. Yeah. Okay. It, I think if it does happen that way, right. what do I win? it's <laughs> a good question yeah. um i think you're right especially in the sense that they're not going to bring it up next episode and also resolve it in the same episode i think it'll be yeah i think what it's going to be is like yeah it gets put off then it's brought yeah. up then it's interrupted yeah because i think if if the last two seasons have taught us anything is that this is just pure fucking tv now right. this isn't like the books it's just a tv show yeah so so to that, then we get, you know, assuming that we get the battle. I, I think that the first battle is going to be in Winterfell. I just don't, I don't see how this show makes sense otherwise. Not that that stopped them before, but it just, it seems that that's what we're headed for. And my opinion is that the, the Starks can't win the Battle of Winterfell and then just like have time to sit and, you know, work with Danny to set up their attack on King's Landing. I think that they're going to lose in, in some way. I think we're probably going to get a lot of deaths in that battle. Of, of significant characters like it'll be the, the first purging of a lot of them that have survived sort of surprisingly for like two straight seasons now do you think it'll be like actual characters or do you think like they'll get rid of like the outer wall of characters we love i think a lot of outer wall i think That's you'll get i think like the is... hound going down oh, the hound probably has to fight the mountain no yeah i think the hound's gonna make it i think we might lose torment yeah we might lose gray worm yeah, Brienne has a chance to go down. I think, yeah. My big theory, and I'll put it out here now, is that Jamie dies slaying the Night King. 
so he can be like a hero Kingslayer. And he can I keep like that theory. nickname. And then everyone will always know him as the Kingslayer, but it'll be like a good thing. Right. And he is now using a Valyrian steel sword, so he would have the, the hardware to, uh, to mm-hmm. pull that off. Also, if he dies and gives that sword up, they can take Brienne's sword and his mm-hmm. sword and reform ice. And that would I think, be awesome. Like, that would be so... Like, I think, like... I think, like, yeah. They want so much fan service. And if they reform ice, like, I think so many people will be like, Fuck yeah! Ice is back! And then, like, give it to Brienne and, like, Brienne's, like, crushing people with ice. And you're like, yes. This is what I paid for. I think that's very true. I think that's a good a good call. I and Gentry should, in theory, know how to do that, so... Yeah, yeah, we got a guy that's a blacksmith, exactly. Yep. Um, okay, so so we have that battle coming up. Other predictions that I have, I think we can talk about the Golden Company real quick. Yeah, sure. They are a well-known sellsword group in Essos formed by a man named, uh, nicknamed Bittersteel, uh, who was a Targaryen bastard who fought in the first Blackfyre rebel- Rebellion. And this is a whole thing, right? Like... Like, if you want to, like, totally nerd out and talk about the Golden Company and, like, what their actual place is in Westerosi history, it's, like, Mm -hmm. basically it's to fund Blackfire Rebellions to take over King Landing. King's Landing, like, I think in the books they really heavily imply that Harry Strickland is a Blackfire descendant. So he has Targaryen blood. He has a claim to the throne and like literally for a hundred years and like, I mean, they haven't been on Westeros for, I think we, we talked about it earlier today, like maybe 50 ish years, but like Barristan Selmy was alive to fight in the war of the nine penny Kings, which is the last Blackfire rebellion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we, and we all know Barristan and like, I, I'm pretty sure the Blackfish fought in that also. It's like, these are men that were in the show, featured pretty heavily, that we know that, like, it's not, it's not completely out of the historical understanding of, right. that the characters should have. Yeah, so this character, is an event that people are aware of. A character like Cersei Lannister should know that if you're going to pay somebody like the Golden Company come here to support you keeping King's Landing knowing their history, that they're right. probably going to double-cross you because they think they deserve King's Landing. Yeah. Because they tried to rebel against the Targaryen kings, like, many times. In the show, it's com- it's completely said that, like, ba- ba- like Westerosi knights that are banished from Westeros, yeah. for one reason or another, join the Golden Company. Yeah. Jorah, Morma- Jorah Mormont in the show... Tell, says that he was in the Golden Company in the first season. So, yep. it. I mean, I don't think they're going to go that route. I mean, they could, but it feels like it feels like you bring in a some something you never mentioned, basically, to what murder Cersei to double cross her with Euron. It it feels contrived to me, but so I know what you mean. I think so. The way that it makes sense to me is that you would have. The you'd have the Night King and the Undead Army win the Battle of Winterfell. Obviously not killing everyone, but forcing them to either retreat into the crypts or retreat south and take advantage of Yara's hold on the Iron Islands. 
from there, the Night King, because they're on the Iron Islands and they can't cross water, chooses to turn his attention towards King's Landing. This does two things, one of which is it brings winter to King's Landing, which we saw in one of Danny's visions a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the other one is it weakens Cersei's army to the point that the remaining army of the Stark and Targaryen forces would have a legitimate fight. So if the Night King either wipes out Cersei or, you know, dies in the attempt, you'd be left with the Golden Company, Euron and Cersei versus the remaining Stark and Targaryen forces. And I think that that's the point at which the Golden Company and or Euron pull a Tywin Lannister and essentially sack King's Landing from the inside. So when, as you know, when Robert's Rebellion ended, Tywin, who was a childhood friend of the Mad King, rode to King's Landing and they had all the gates up and, you know, basically pretended that he was going, he was there to rescue the Mad King. And as soon as they opened the gates, just started killing everybody. And the Golden Company and Euron could pull a very similar move here. And it would be another example of Cersei being just, you know, clever, but never as clever as she thinks she is. I mean, and it also would kind of close, like, I like I think a lot of people who do TV love this kind of symmetry. Mm-hmm. So the symmetry between like kind of how they tried to make Cersei into the Mad King, which I think is a good mm-hmm. symmetrical storyline. So they want to finish yeah. it the same way he got finished. But that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So that's my thought. And uh, and we'll see what happens. I'm still having a hard time figuring out the exact sequencing, like who's going to kill the Night King and when. You know, is he the final bad? Or is the final battle between men and men at the end of all this? So I think that there are two possibilities. And I think there are only two possibilities. I think either the Night King goes to King's Landing and probably wins. And then it's Mm -hmm. the living versus the dead. Or he loses at Winterfell but decimates a lot of the force there. And then it's living versus the living. And I don't really see there being other options, right? Yeah, I think, I I mean, I would agree, because otherwise... There's only three actors, right? Right. Yeah, so logically, we can only really get three things. I mean, well, you can get what? You can get another, uh, you can get another, you can get another battle. You can get the living fighting the living before they get there, but I think that that's impossible. I think yeah. I think that's true. Because then then you'd just be way too overmatched, right, against the army of the undead. And I think that like given how the movements of the armies are now, that that won't yes. happen. <laughs> you mean the teleporting <laughs> nature of them? Yeah, and also the fact that you know there are like the dead's already past the wall, that they're already past a huge north northern stronghold. That yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. All right, well, I'll, I'll have some predictions posted this week. I think one of them that we wanted to touch on before we wrap up, which is very important. I personally believe that we're going to get an appearance from the Cranigman himself, uh, Howland Reed. 100%. Ned's best friend and survive, well, survivor best of the friend. Tower of Joy uh, incident. He murdered the greatest swordsman basically in the last 200 years of Westeros. And has since never left the neck, probably based on, you know, the relationship in order to protect the secret of John's parentage. I'm, I'm thinking and so. Given what's going on, it seems like it would be useful to have a living witness of what mm-hmm. happened there. 
and he is the only one left. I exact I think so. I also think like Mira left Bran, but like her her like her the way that she like swore to protect him and like mm-hmm. his mission and the way she understands the three eyed raven and what that is supposed to mean in this like fight for the lives of men like she's not just gonna abandon that mission like she's coming back with the Kranich men and we're partially talking about this because my partner Carrie <laughs> Nyer does not believe Holland Reed will appear in the series at all uh that's insane, right? I would be I would be blown away if that was the case. I feel like Mira comes back, and this is I think lends credence to my outside people get murdered theory. Uh-huh. Which like we're gonna get Holland Reed, a person that we all love but have never seen, and he's gonna go get murdered. Mira's gonna get murdered protecting Bran. And I think we need someone in the inner circle to be killed. And I think the night King is coming for Bran. Yes. That that makes the most sense. Like he's been targeting Bran for a long time now. He's been targeting like I'm trying to like we're trying to like understand like why did he come for the Three-Eyed Raven? Like we don't really know anything, but like he really wanted the Three-Eyed Raven dead. And yep. we know that. And like now Bran's a Three-Eyed Raven. He's not very good at it and uh, <laughs> I think he's Sick definitely going to murder Bran. We need I think another Stark needs to die. And, like, that sucks, but, like, it's not going to be Sansa, it's not going to be Jon, and it's not going to be Arya. So, how many Starks are left? There's one left, and it's going to be Bran. It's going to be a manufactured sadness, because his story has been completely divorced from anything we even give a shit about. Yep. But it's like, we're supposed to care about him because he's a Stark. I hate his whole storyline. Am I the only person... <laughs> I know you hate it too. Like the whole hold the hold the door thing, right? Yes. Everyone wants to cry over that. What do you know about Hodor? Nothing. He's a dude that says Hodor. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. He doesn't do anything <laughs> besides carry somebody. And everyone's like, oh Hodor. I love Hodor. I'm like, why do you love Hodor? <laughs> he literally doesn't do anything. He's not even a character. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's tough to get that emotionally invested in that storyline. It I think so manufactured. Like, oh, we need someone to murder for no reason. So let's pretend that everyone cares about Hodor, Mira, Bran, Howland, who's never been in the books, and we'll murder all of them in the Battle of Winterfell, Battle of Winterfell, and everyone will be like, oh my god, that was epic. I'm like, was it epic? <laughs> was it? Because it doesn't seem very epic. The only person I even give a shit about is Mira. Because she's the only person who tried to do anything ever in this storyline. True, she did, yeah. So, it's kind of a bummer. If that ha- if it happens that way, it's going to truly be upsetting. Because it's like, oh, <laughs> this is so boring and awful. Just end this on a bummer? Is that, yeah. is that what just happens? Well, then well, then you go in. So, if it's the Battle of, Battle of Winterfell, the way that we expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Night King comes and he kills people that are, you know, tangentially related to the things we actually care about. And then the people we actually care about, some of them die in the battle between Cersei and John and Danny. Yeah. It's too predictable and awful, but if that happens, and that's how I expect it to happen, 
And I haven't liked the show in a couple years, so it'll be right. sad. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bummed if it's that predictable. Something, I, I, I would say that something bizarre has got to happen, but again, it, that's sort of what happens with the shot clock winding down here, is like, you don't have as much time for bizarre things to happen. You're not going to get another Rob Stark Red Wedding, like, reset the whole map, you know. But would that be legit if they just bypass Winterfell? That'd be so cool. I would love I'd that. I'd be down with it. I, mean, I think it would be cool, but yeah, probably not. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for jumping on to talk about this one. <laughs> we'll have another one next week after uh, after episode two, which, again, being an hour long and, as you mentioned, teasing a Jamie trial, I am not super enthusiastic about. But I'm uh, not but sure if know. it was a trial. It seemed like more of a faux trial, like people okay. arguing about whether or not he should be murdered. Yeah. If we have a comment section, maybe people can suss out what they saw. Right. Using their last hours on earth wisely the uh the the people there right isn't that that's insane that's insanity yeah it really is i hope we can advance my kingslayer theory i would love that i would be totally in for that to be the the solution to this and it would also be you know just oddball enough like it's not classic john faces the night king in a one-on-one battle to determine everything you know it's like a little bit weirder than that i'd like it to be like john and the night king square off but then jamie just like murders him It'd be awesome. And then Jamie gets eaten by a Viserion or something. <laughs> tough, tough break there. But, tough you know, break, James. But then, you know, it, it can advance another great theory that I've had where it's like, if Jamie dies, then Arya can cut his face off and murder Cersei with the Jamie face on. Then we got yep. the Valonqar is like fulfilled, but not early fulfilled. I would love if, the, if it was fulfilled in that manner, where it's it's Arya using the face of Jamie or another little brother to to do that. Yeah, that'd be legit. All right, buddy. Well, uh, we'll get off for now, and uh, we'll we'll set up another one for next week. And uh, until then, you know, enjoy enjoy the Thronesing. Yeah, I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.